I know you're out there. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. A world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries. A world where anything is possible. Where we go from there is a choice I leave to you. Connecting the dots of the Constitution for you like no one else can. The Chris Ann Hall Show. She's an attorney, a disabled U.S. Army veteran, an author, public speaker, mother, pastor's wife, and a patriot. She's Chris Ann Hall. Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com. Liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. We are here today, me and my husband. I am here. My husband, J.C. Hall, is here. And we endeavor to bring to you Monday through Thursday and a double dose every Saturday, the truth, constitution, and principled perspective of your current events that you see every day, but not through that particular lens. That's what we do. We bring this to you. And we thank you for joining us today. Hey, JC, we have a brand new station covering the uh, Daily Journal, actually. So we want to say welcome to our WSQF 94.5 FM station in Key Biscayne. Is that how you say that? Yeah, right off, it's right off the coast of Miami, matter of fact. That's pretty awesome. We have a Miami audience, 94.5, listening to Constitution, Truth, and Principle, not political party agenda, uh, fake news, or revision. And I wanted—I just want to say thank you to them for coming on, yeah, on board. It's awesome. You know, there's a big, uh, big Hispanic population, Latino population down in that area. They'd be... When we get the uh, essential stories for Junior Patriots translated into Spanish, which is which is underway, uh, probably be a lot of listeners be interested. in Yeah, that. we're we're doing the state sovereignty book in Spanish too, yeah. aren't we? Yeah. So. I mean, those are two. One's a one's a young person book. One's an adult book. Um, I think that uh, that will be really really fantastic. We also uh, have a Liberty Tour 2018 coming on board uh, this weekend. We will be in Rapid City, South Dakota. Hey, JC, this is the first time we've been in South Dakota. This is our first trip to South Dakota to visit the South Dakota Patriots. We will be uh, in Rapid City, South uh, South Dakota, September 29th at America's Founding Fathers Exhibit. And we'll be doing two courses there, two sessions, starting from 9 to 11. And uh, the uh, I, I think that's pretty cool that Rapid City, South Dakota, has a Founding Fathers exhibit museum. And so we'll be teaching the history of the Constitution there. And then on October 1st, 
I will be teaching at Sioux Falls, South Dakota at Callaway's, which is 500 East 69th Street in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, teaching our state sovereignty class. But you're going to be in D.C. in October, which is pretty exciting to me as well. You're going to be at D.C., uh, hopefully getting a chance to present your um, More Than Victims class. Uh, We're about to put that up on Liberty First University, the live version, and then we'll we'll follow that up with a more in-depth classroom version. But this is a life-changing course, and you're going to be at the Cure Washington Summit in Washington, D.C. What is Cure, by the way? Center for Urban Renewal and Education. So you're going to be teaching whom in this this particular uh, venue? To whom? Yes, to whom? Uh, it's it is uh, their national policy summit, and uh, I am told that a large group of black ministers will be uh, will be the large part of the audience. Awesome. Yep. Awesome. What an amazing thing to be teaching that powerful class to to the very audience that that can I think best experience the life changing effects of the um, more than victims that's what you call that class more than yeah, we are more we, than victims when we get it you know finally published in the DVD form and, mm-hmm. and in the book I I hope for it to be a, a tool for for these communities well that's great well guess what not only Uh, do we have Liberty Tour 2018 going on? But today is a very important day in history. Do you know what today is? September the 20-something. Fifth. This is Bill of Rights Day. Awesome. This is the day uh, that the uh, Bill of Rights, the first ten amendments to the United States Constitution, were uh, passed by Congress on September 25th, 1789. And, uh, you know, we have a course at libertyfirstuniversity.com called The Principles and Purpose of the Bill of Rights. It's uh, titled, I think, The Great Debate. And I think that uh, a lot of misconception, a lot of miseducation comes from the Bill of Rights because we don't go back to the beginning and actually study why we have a Bill of Rights. Why do we even, why did they even think about it? Do you know, JC, that there is a huge uh, segment of our educational society that teaches that the Bill of Rights was an afterthought, therefore an admission that the drafters of our Constitution believed that the Constitution was a flawed document? Yeah. Well, I, I discovered that first. Uh, when I had that debate with that law professor at uh, University of uh, that Miami University, there. What, what does that mean? Flawed document. Well, they it, well basically what it is is that the drafters of the Constitution said, "Don't oh, we didn't get it right the first time, so we got to go back and fix it with a Bill of Rights." Ah, I see. Right. So the whole contention of uh, the whole premise for reinterpreting the Constitution as a living, breathing document, meaning a, a document that should be defined by modern terms and not by contract law, is the uh, contention that it is an error, a document full of errors. Okay. And so we as, have as to fix those by as evidenced by the ratification of the Bill of Rights. Adding the Bill of Rights. Right. Right. Is, is an admission that. The Constitution was screwed up in the first place. Right. 
And even the men who ratified the Constitution realized immediately that it was screwed up and they had to go back and fix it. Which was not the conversation. Which was not the conversation right? The conversation was, because it's known as a great debate, right? On, some, the, some of what they, yeah. the debate, anyway, the ratification debates or whatever. And they That's could, what we call it at LibertyFirstUniversity.com, yeah, so the, the great debate. The conversation back and forth about the meaning and mm-hmm. how it's going to work and all that. And so they said, you know, the, you, you don't have protections written in here for individual liberties. Mm-hmm. And and the conversation was not, oh, man, why didn't we think of that? We overlooked that. Yeah. No, the conversation was, well, we don't need to do that. We didn't right. give this government permission to look over these things. Yeah, and, that was actually Hamilton's argument. Hamilton said, why do we have to tell the federal government not to do things when we've only told them what they can do? Yeah. So, so why so did the, we make a list of what they can do if we actually implied that they could do anything they wanted? And the, and the response was, you know, the response was like, was basically, look, write it down. Because if you don't, you know, it's not, the, it's not your... It's not your system. It's not your form of government. That's the problem. It's the people that are going to be yeah. operating it are gonna are going to uh, abuse our rights if you don't tell them. Well, and no, he no, said, that well, was not if it. If you tell them, yeah. then they're going to use those handles and control it. Like, no, we have to. We have to state this. Well, it wasn't necessary. It, it's not a limitation on federal power. It wasn't you have to tell the people in power they can't do this. You, the, the purpose was you must you must make a written statement so the people of the population won't forget and they won't allow the government right. to do that's this. That's what I meant. You yeah. have to write it down. You Otherwise, have to write it down. they'll get away with doing this. Because the people will forget. Uh, the letter from the uh, Republican to the federal... Re- letter of the federal farmer to the Republican, number six, covers this most completely. Uh, when, when, I, when Richard Henry Lee says... Uh, We need a sentinel. Sentinel, We need a visible barrier constantly seen by all uh, so that we know that the greatest guard of the people's liberty are the people themselves. So we are not. So the Bill of Rights are those little things you, you put on your window and your little keypad that you punch in your code when you come in and out it's the alarm system right to the constitution exactly. it doesn't stop the thief well and that's precisely why uh the argument in favor of the bill of rights was remember hamilton says why do we have to tell the government what they can't do when we've only told them the things that they can do so mm-hmm. if they if it's not on the list of the can do's then it's obviously a can't do and the argument in favor of the Bill of Rights was that's great if you expect them to check and balance themselves, if you expect them to govern themselves. But we know through history and human nature they will not govern themselves. We know through history and human nature that the people will fall asleep at the wheel. So we need this written reminder. But that, and that's at the heart of what you were talking about when Debbie dropped in last the last show mm-hmm. this dual federalism and because right. that's which is dual federalism which is essentially you know what the founders created in that the the federal government has its enumerated rights and responsibilities mm-hmm. and the states powers. reserve their power reserve mm-hmm. whatever powers that they don't give to the government they reserve it to themselves so that i mean it's what we talk about all the time but mm-hmm. now there's you're hearing these discussions using this uh, political theory 
uh, label dual federalism mm-hmm. versus cooperative federalism, right? Which is terms that lawyers come up with so that they can trick you out of your rights. So it, now you basically have what's interesting when you see the discussion, it's like these are the competing philosophies, and this says this, and this says that. No, one, <laughs> is, one is how we create it, competing one is a lie that distorts <laughs> and overturns what was created. There's actually like I think I counted up there's six Federalist papers that are actually dedicated to the distinction between what our founders called a confederation versus a consolidation or even a national versus federal government. And I think probably the most complete of those Federalist papers is Federalist Papers 39. And uh, when we come back after the break, we want to spend a few minutes talking about this this confusion because you are being the attempt is to dupe you into a kingdom government Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here with my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall. And our special guest for a short time yesterday was our friend Dobby, Debbie Bachigalupe. She's a valiant warrior for the individual property rights of the people for this, the uh, maintenance of state power to protect the individual rights. You know what's interesting, JC, is that's the exact same argument that our founders had with the creation of our Constitution. The maintenance of state sovereignty was not to create a state government that could act like a kingdom. The maintenance of the state sovereignty was to create a state government that would protect the rights of the people. Remember the Declaration of Independence says that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just power from the consent of the governed. And that's part of the argument that our founders make when the contention... See, here's the crazy thing, JC. All of these uh, misdirections to our Constitution come about because we do not study these debates. If we had studied these debates, we would know that those who were in the business of ratifying the Constitution already had these discussions it's, it's in the, detail. It's the same stinking thing you talked about with, with these think tanks. Yeah. They don't read what the people said. They read stuff. They read, they read papers by people who talk about it. And right, they don't, you, and they like don't even to, read it and understand it. Those people that are talking about no, it, they have an agenda. No, well, I, that's the thing. Like you could pull up. I just, I was looking at usconstitution.net, the dual federalism, this and that, and they don't go through. They don't go through what the founders said. It's all in. It's all this sort of. Some lawyer taught them. Some law professor. And this was political theory, right? It's all in the realm right. of political theory. There's this theory, there's that theory, there's the other theory. As if it's up for grabs, and this is how the sort of description went, like, well, here's a problem with this one, and here's the problem with this theory. And some people want to go back to this, but here's the problem if you do that. So they don't talk about 
here's what because like like you say it's, it's a of, contract it's we're a historical about, fact it's a yeah, legal right. fact and there's no more theory left right and it, but here's a central problem we're talking about the rule of law it's not yeah. up to you to decide which one you like and go that way no this is the framework of government and if you want to change it within the the legal framework there is a process to do that you yeah. can't just decide which way you want to go and, and so that's how the discussions proceed when you get this sort of oh it's this political theory that political theory no this is the freaking constitution and the men who wrote it gave you an operator's manual and this is what it says and to to decide on your own because you don't like this and you think this would be better you're going to do something else that's called tyranny. That's called lawlessness. There is a procedure to change our government. Yeah, and and like I said, uh, when we when I teach the students at the River School of Government, or we teach at LibertyFirstUniversity.com, uh, when you have a a confusion, a piece of the Constitution you don't understand. The, you don't go to a law professor or a textbook to understand that. You have to go to the source. So the first step is to read the Constitution. Now, the Constitution is very clear on this matter. The Tenth Amendment says the powers not delegated to the federal government uh, are reserved to the states or to the people respectively. Now, if you want to understand that to the states or to the people respectively, and you want to understand what that means, this delegation of power. Again, you don't go to a professor. You don't go to a textbook. You go to the source. Remember, original source is the only accurate source. And the original source for understanding how the Constitution was written and what it actually means, again, is not, I don't mean to like belabor this, but is not a professor, is not a think tank pundit, it is not uh, some national journal, it's not your textbook on civics. The original source is the debates, the Federalist Papers, the Anti-Federalist Papers, and what they wrote. And there is I think no greater summation of this understanding of dual federalism. I see, I, I think they use those terms, dual federalism and all that, to confuse people because nobody even knows what federalism actually means anymore. And so the source, the most complete source, will be for you, in a nutshell, Federalist 39, written by James Madison. As arrogant men tear up our constitution And from every direction we cry revolution Standing together and without permission Soldiers for truth in the war of attrition The love of our country as our The Chris Ann Hall Show. She's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. 
I think those terms, dual federalism and cooperative federalism, are, are, are very deceiving today because we use the term federal government to mean a consolidated government. And so when people hear the word federalism, they don't think about states. They think about the federal government. And so uh, we, we've, got to, we've got to learn these terms if we're going to be using these terms. But I think that they use these terms in an effort to actually trick the people and well, deceive them. It's like I said, because it comes from political theory, right? Mm-hmm. So when you talk about uh, a, a, a federal... So talk about the forms of of government, right? You have a unitary government, a confederacy, and a federalist government. So in political theory, Mm -hmm. a federalist government is described as Mm -hmm. the central government has a significant amount of power and the uh, what they call political subdivisions, which Mm -hmm. in itself is deceptive. But this in our case, the states would have significant power. You know, and that could take all kind of forms, but but that's where the thing comes from. So, again, the point is when these discussions are rooted in political theory, at which this is this is the whole point of what you're saying to confuse, it's going to divert you away. It's going to divert you to political theorist. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. That's not right, the source right. of understanding for our constitutional republic. No. Why? Why would you go? to, you know, Professor Joe Schmuckety, who wrote a book, mm-hmm. okay, when you, about the Constitution and, <laughs> and about right. the system and his theory on it, when you have the actual guys who wrote the Constitution and built the government wrote volumes and volumes and volumes, re- recorded their debates, their reasonings, their definitions, their historical foundations for doing this, the how, the why, why wouldn't you look at what they say and their rights? It makes no sense. It's like you have a lawnmower, and it comes with an owner's manual. So you're going to go to a seventh grader who wrote a book report about lawnmowers, and you're going you're gonna <laughs> to read that instead of the freaking people who built the thing to tell you how it works. Well, it's interesting because the father of the Constitution, James Madison, like I said, wrote Federalist 39, and what's interesting is He says in dealing with this, because they're dealing with this issue, the anti-federalists are afraid that the Constitution will create the Union as a consolidation of the states rather than a confederacy of the states. And James Madison is reassuring those who have this concern, look, this is not how it works. And he says, first... In order to ascertain the real character of government, it may be considered in relation to the foundation on which it is to be established. He's like, look, if you're going to talk about whether it's a consolidation or a confederation, let's look first at how it was established. And he says, look, it was established as a contract between the states, an agreement between the states. The states have to be sovereign in order to make a legally binding contract. And when they contract to make a, a, a government, a central government, they are not contracting away their sovereignty. That is an impossibility. He goes on to say, look, it is clear. It is obvious from this single consideration, he says, that it is to result neither from a decision of the majority of the people in the Union nor from that of the majority of the states. It must be a unanimous assent 
of the several states that are parties to it. So you have to make sure that this is an agreement between the states. And he says, this single fact establishes that we will have a federal and not a national constitution. That's when we talk about the federal government, right? When we talk about the federal government, what we're talking about is a government that is created by federal power, which is the power that is delegated to the federal government by the states. A national government is what we talk about sometimes when we talk about nationalism, right? A national government is the dissolving of the states and creating a kingdom-style government. Right, which is what the political theorists would use the term unitary government. Right. That's what they're talking about. He says, were the people regarded in this transaction as forming one nation, the will of the majority of the whole people of the United States would bind the minority, and in the same manner as the majority of each state must bind the minority, and the will of the majority must be the states as evidence to the will of the majority. He goes on to say then, in that case, the minority would have no say in government would be destroyed by the majority. Therefore, we did not create this Constitution as a majority vote. We created this Constitution as a unanimous consent of the states who are parties to it. Right. Who speak on behalf of those individuals. Which is absolutely right. Right. Which is absolutely another point of destruction that America is a democracy because the entire constitutional republic was created to steal power, uh, yeah. the, the ruling power of the majority over the minority and hand the minority an equal voice. That's, and that's the tyranny of the majority in this cooperative uh, federalism. That, so this is what, they, what the majority now says. This is who, this is who we are. And cooperative right. feder- federalism says the central government is you know, the top government has the power mm-hmm. and it allows its subdivisions, the states, to do whatever it <laughs> says they're allowed to do. That's right. completely the opposite of our structure. Uh, so so that, stuff's, that stuff's a mess. And, and you see that, you see a similar, l- let me say this. So what, what does that do? What, what this blurring, this mixing of uh, sovereignty mm-hmm. is what we're talking about. It blurs the lines. It confuses things. It blurs the lines of accountability and responsibility. See, this is the kind of thing that allows the politicians to dodge accountability. Wasn't my fault. It's not us. It's them or we're not this thing. So they can say, well, we're not really, it's not really the state. It's not really federal government. It's this new thing that we've created that we we cooperate Mm -hmm. together. Therefore, there's no ruling law. Like, they can right. make it up as they go. So it allows them to avoid the law, violates people's civil rights, and right. be able to sidestep the rule of law by saying, oh, well, this is something else. This is something new. So we can, we can make it up as we go along. Which eliminates, as Madison will say later in Federalist 51, one of the greatest checks and balance, the separation of power between this federal and the state governments. Right. And, and Madison explains that in Federalist 51, that there are, there are two separate f- spheres of, of government. He says, um, he says a, a double security arises to the rights of the people, 
The different governments will control each other at the same time that each will be controlled by itself. And so what we have now is the sphere of governments. He's saying, look, they do not, they do not become one single government. Yeah. We need these separate spheres. In Federalist 51, he'll explain that the federal government has no authority to come into the sphere of the state and right. local to enforce laws. You have to have competing sovereignties Absolutely. Or, or you don't have checks and balances. Right. The very fact that we have checks and balances says we're not this sort of melding conglomeration of you know, the all-powerful federal government. I mean, that's that's what they came, That's what they left. Mm-hmm. That would be a kingdom, a totalitarian monarchy. Yeah, and what's what's crazy is that's what we have now that we have duped the people into believing that there is no separation of power. But you know, they take the same this same technique with these private public partnerships or mm-hmm. public private whatever they call them where mm-hmm. they meld business and government because mm-hmm. then you sidestep the law it's something new we can make up as we go and we got these new rules and because you, you you just sidestep the law like what are you and somebody know nobody knows who's responsible for what you got this thing in Tulsa that that came at us about right. the park the river parks uh the gathering place river parks in Tulsa you've got this private uh group Okay, we're going to donate this property to the and, city. Yeah, to the city and the county, and you have this melding of city and county in this private thing, and s- people don't know well, what is it. And you have one side acting as if they can ignore state law. They're mm-hmm. saying because o- I guess o- is it Oklahoma has this yeah. open carry, open, open and, carry, uh, and the law where you you can't restrict that. But they're saying, oh, you can't do this in this park, and kind of implying, well, this is a private thing. No, it's not a private thing. You used tax dollars, okay, in combination with these donations, and then the people that own the land donated it legally to this Yeah, if they had donated it to me, it would become my property. Yeah. So they donated it to the city. It becomes city property. It becomes public property. And even the Tulsa ordinance says that any ordinance cannot be written to overturn the open carry laws of the state. Right. And so now they're trying to impose... Uh, gun restrictions within this park, trying to claim it's a quasi-governmental See? park. And, and that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's the same technique right. as that, uh, dual, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, cooperative, cooperative federalism. federalism. It's just rather than being federal and state, it's, it's government and business. Mm-hmm. And so you blur the lines, and now everybody can point to everybody else and say, well, we're not that thing, we're not this thing, we're the other thing. And so that doesn't apply to us. And you have the citizens going... What? Wait a minute. What's going on? And so they don't make these clear delineations. Right. And, and, and a lot of the citizenry, being ignorant, will accept this. Oh, well, it's really not this, and this is a private park. and So they don't know. So no, you got it's these guys pure in, deception. It is. And it's so pure deception. We have these patriots in Tulsa trying to push back on this, saying you're not going to get away with trying to blur the lines. Right. The, our, this was paid for in part by our tax dollars. You now own this thing, right. which is to say we own it. It's public, and y- you can't do this. We're actually going to be at a rally that they're holding in Tulsa, Oklahoma on Saturday, uh, October 13th. They're having a rally at that park to bring uh, awareness to the public of the deception of their city government. And so we're, we're, we're proud to actually, you know, uh, 
be in Tulsa at that time so that we can stand with them. It's it's yeah. providential, I think. So I think that's pretty crazy. So we're going to be at, uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma on Saturday the 13th. Uh, well, we're going to be in teaching in Oklahoma the whole week, beginning with the 9th of uh, October. We'll talk about that more when we get into October. But we've got to educate and take a stand and help people understand the deceptions that are happening right in front of their faces. Chris Ann Hall Show. She's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here with my husband and co-host J.C. Hall. And remember, it's Bill of Rights Day. Awesome. Bill of Rights Day. And what is first in the Bill of Rights? First Amendment. The First Amendment. And, but and protesters have a right to protest. Yeah, so you mentioned recognizing these deceptions, these techniques in the last segment. The, and this seems to be you see different situations, but you see the same patterns in the way the adversaries use these same techniques. And we've talked about this before of this heckler versus protester versus trespasser, public versus private. The left and these uh, provocateurs seem to tap into the ignorance of the people yes, and sir. the fear of the people. Yes, sir. And they and they create this situation. You had apparently Ted Cruz and his wife, uh, Heidi, right, is her name. They're at a restaurant. At a restaurant. Private restaurant. Private restaurant. And these hecklers show up and start, you know, badgering them in the restaurant. About Kavanaugh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, and they end up basically chasing them out. They end up mm-hmm. leaving because of this disruption. Now. Who left? Uh Cruise. The cruise is left. Not the right? hecklers. No. So as I see it, right, when I looked at it, and that, this is where I want, I want you to, I want your input on this. So as I look at it, my thought was, wait a minute. One, this is, this is a private business, open to the public, but private business where, you know, the cruise family has a, a correct me if I'm wrong, sort of, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, contractual, but a business you know, agreement. We come, we pay you money, you give us food, you right. provide this place, exactly. right? We have certain expectations. So it seemed to me as I as I looked at this, that's on the restaurant to deal with these people. Yeah, people, this is not what the restaurant's for. This is, you know, there's got to be some yeah. understanding of a code of conduct in a sense. And here they are disrupting mm-hmm. this transaction between customer and business, and the restaurant does nothing about it. And my assumption is this. They look at that and they wrongly interpret these folks to be protesters and so they think oh i can't do anything about this because yeah. these guys are protected they're they're protesting once and again they have to be heard. what we have now is that blurring of the lines right yeah. because now we have government dictating to private businesses because of their public service uh, who they can and cannot service to so private business owners don't even realize that they're private anymore yeah. so, they think that they're public businesses and that's the blurring so of a, those lines as a business owner I don't have to tolerate these guys. You do not have doing to tolerate. That. No. And number so even okay, let's just put it this way. Even if they were classified as protesters, you do not have to tolerate them in your business. Right. Okay, because you, you, you are not a government yeah. so entity. It's not a it's not a government entity, nor is it 
a public it's not a public space right like right. A, like a sidewalk sidewalk or, or street so right they don't have a right to come in my business no. and protest even if so that's a that's a u.s that's a senator there mm-hmm. okay they can't say, well, he's a government official. No. And, you know, I have a right to do this. Well, then they could do that in his house. Oh, right. Right. Okay. So, so that's what I'm asking. Right. And, no. and so then in they that, don't have in that, that right. respect, wouldn't it be the responsibility of the rest? The restaurant should be doing something about this. So the restaurant would have the authority to call the law and say, you must remove these people. The law would have to come in and say, hey, uh, the the private owner of this business says you're no longer welcome here. You're creating a disruption. Uh, you have to go. And they, the law enforcement would then have a duty to remove these people from the property as trespassers. But here we have, think about the cake baker, think about the photographers, thinking about all this stuff. We now have government blurring the lines between private business and public function and most people believe i have a right to be in this business i wonder if you could make up a flyer to send to this restaurant and and businesses mm-hmm. to inform these people i mean my suspicion is i don't think they were that this business is probably uh sympathetic to these these people and their mm-hmm. cause I mean, I think they're there to make money, right? They want to have right. their business. Well, and those people I were really, not there eating. They just came to disrupt. Yeah. Well, they they may, I don't know if they're eating or not. But the thing is, I don't, I don't think, I think the businesses are probably intimidated because of that misunderstanding, the First Amendment misunderstanding. That's what I think. Yeah, and so that's why we've got to be an educational source. Yeah. And I don't just mean JC and I. I mean you out there. You're the ones that are listening. You guys are the ones that are learning, and we've got to educate each other. So perhaps we can put together that flyer. That would be an interesting project. Well, thank you for joining. I hope you found this show to be very, very educational. Uh, we will see you tomorrow. In sharing the blessings I receive. Let me know in my heart when my days are through. America, America, I gave my best to you.